Welcome to the original vegan business talk with myself, Shane Jeremy James, where I discuss life-changing business advice with vegan companies who are making a true difference in the world. Hey everybody, welcome back to the next episode. Our special guest today is Jennifer Stojkovic. Welcome, Jennifer. Hey, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. Beautiful back setting there in that beautiful LA area. California, baby. Can't beat it. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So Jen is a food tech leader, founder of Vegan Women Summit, and author of The Future of Food is Female. Interested to talk about that because I think you were just doing a book tour recently too, weren't you? Oh, yes. I've been all over and got more places to go. All right. Let's talk about that in a minute here. So in 2020, Jennifer founded the Vegan Women Summit, a global media and events platform focused on empowering women to build a kinder, more sustainable world. VWS produces the Vegan Women's Summit flagship conference and VWS Pathfinder, the world's only pitch competition for women founders in the plant-based and animal-free industry and, and VWS Connect, the industry's food tech job networking series. I, I mean, I love all that. Since uh, the inception of VWS Pathfinder has reached over a thousand women founders across 31 countries, while VWS Connect has connected over 2,000 job seekers with major employers in the industry, including Beyond the Meat, Impossible Foods, and now I'm going to butcher this next name. What is it? Miyakos? Miyakos? Miyokos. Miyokos. Got it. (laughs) I needed help on that one. All right. Well, welcome. So Tell us a little bit about more about you. How did how did you get to where you are today? Oh man, how how long you got here? <laughs> yeah, the, the Cliff Notes version, right? <laughs> so uh, I was born and raised in small town Canada. So you are ooh, hearing ooh, ooh, a Canadians, right? <laughs> hometown girl. Um, I have dropped a lot of my. I still have a boot, but uh, I have dropped a lot of my can- uh, Canadianisms in the last little bit. I moved to the U.S. Uh, shortly after school and built my career here in the United States, specifically in San Francisco, in Silicon Valley, working for the world's largest tech companies um, for over half a decade, uh, lobbying on their behalf, creating the most innovative industry that we could in tech. While personally, I was vegan um, and have been vegan for eight years or so. And so back in 2018 or so, I saw that there was really a lot of mainstream attention being paid to food tech. And I had this hypothesis that if I could bring everything that I've been able to accomplish in the tech industry, to the food tech industry, we could accelerate growth. And when I started to do that programming, I reached out to some awesome friends I've got, like Bruce Friedrich from the Good Food Institute, Uma Valetti, Josh Tetrick, you know, the usual suspects. And what I discovered really quickly was that it was a very male-dominated space, uh, much like the tech industry that I'd spent most of my career. And so I thought, if we're gonna build this completely new industry that in my opinion is the most consequential and most important thing that we are going to do for humanity, we need to make sure that we have the skills and talent of everybody involved. And so that was really where the impetus for VWS began. How can we ensure that women have representation in the future of food? Uh, So we started with 250 women in a room in San Francisco two years ago. We now have over 40,000 women across six continents and counting. Uh, We do pitch competitions, conferences, job networking, work with tons and tons of people all over the world to get more women involved in this space. Um, Our goal is to empower 4 billion women on this planet um, to build a kinder, more sustainable world. So in addition to that, we also release The Future of Food is Female, the very first book in the entire industry focused on women's leadership. 
and uh, lots more big things coming. That's just like the cliff notes of what we've been up to. Right. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, you know, you, you have this network work of women that you kind of brought together. And so the main objective is obviously to make a better world in a variety of different ways. I'm, I'm thinking, correct? Of course. And, and so is it just vegan women or is it, is it not vegan women as well too? That's a fantastic question and probably the number one or number two question I get. So I get two questions about VWS. One, are men involved? Uh, yes. So up, I would say close to 20% of our supporters, attendees, professionals are men, uh, about 80% are women. And then the second question is, do you have to be vegan? At this point, our community is probably close to 40 or 50% non-vegan. Right. Uh, I believe that we need to empower everybody to be yeah. a part of removing animals from the food system and saving the planet. And so right. if you show up and you say, I want to invest, if you show up, you say, I want to start a career in this space, you want to found a company in this space, you want to make personal choice choices that empower this space, you count. Like that is, that is part of our community. I think it's very important that we start to redefine um, what it means to be vegan in the sense that we need to allow for people to create vegan products. We need to allow for people to make vegan investments, all of those things, and still be a part of our space. Yeah, I, I agree too, hundred percent on that because it, it's just a wider, a wider audience. And, and, you know, I've been vegan 21 years now, I think it is 21 or something like that. And and uh, when I look back at it and, and, you know, everybody around me, a lot of people, when they came in around me, they didn't really believe in it and stuff, but a lot now only eat plant-based because they've been mm -hmm. around, you know, and it might yeah. be three years later, might be four years later, might be six months, but they started to learn and be educated more and understand it more and see, wow, Shane's got a lot more energy and, and, and stuff. So, uh, you know, so I, I agree that we've got to pull in everybody from all uh, small walks of life if they're acceptable to learning a little bit and being part of something like that yeah absolutely and i think you know what we've been our kind of hypothesis is that we have traditionally up until the last few years really seen the vegan space is like an activism space of you know you personally change you personally change your diet you you know this is something right. that you do in in your personal life not necessarily your professional life and our focus is on bringing this to the professional space because you can be a part of this massive industry. Over $3 billion was invested in animal-free products last year, just in alternative proteins alone. Like there's right. just so much talent and so many resources that are needed to make this thing work. We can't simply do it based on, you know, 1% of folks that have made the personal diet choice themselves. It just doesn't make any sense. No, no, it doesn't. Because if you, if you break down the data, what is there like, one percent then of vegan investors out of the billions you know what i mean when you yeah. get 20 percent, right so it doesn't right. and you know and when you think about the actual practical implications of what this means right like it's better to have 99 percent imperfect vegans than one percent perfect vegans and yeah. so you know i i really encourage people to try to evolve their thinking around what it means to be vegan because you know at the end of the day much like probably a lot of the folks that you've influenced over the years people make their decisions on a daily basis based off of, you know, convenience, taste, um, you know, accessibility, right? That's right. kind of, those are the three that people are looking for. And a lot of people were able to make 90% of the way vegan just by empowering consumer options and getting them placed um, around them, right? You know, if Starbucks has the default oat milk, 
like 80, 90% of people are going to take that default oat milk simply because it's now available. So if we can start to make that the reality in every choice and every decision people make in their daily lives, we're basically reverse engineering vegans. Yeah, totally. So you, you're obviously around a lot of vegan businesses, uh, you know, helping trying to, you know, give advice to different investors or, you know, people are looking for money yeah. or different things. So I want to touch on something that I haven't touched on with a lot of other business owners. And I think that you might be able to give good feedback on this. What do you think are some of the industries right now, business industries that are kind of growing? Like, you know, like, is it, because when you think of most people, when they think of vegan, they right away think of just vegan food, right? Yeah. Like they think yeah. of restaurants, right? Of That's course. it, right? But then there's so much. So what do you think about the industry as a whole? Where are some opportunities that you see that going? So I think the first thing I'll say before I put a few of my assessments out is that when I use the term vegan, um, VWS covers all things future of food, fashion, beauty, and biotechnology. So okay. my focus is on animal-free innovation. Animal-free innovation could mean plant-based. Um, and up until recently, it meant only plant-based. But I also focus a lot on the cultivated meat space as well as precision fermentation and all those new technologies as well that are creating animal-free products that are essentially animal products, right? So that is a huge, huge market right then and there. Um, right. So for folks that are not familiar, I'm basically talking about lab-grown meat, the thing you heard about 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, it ain't, it ain't a fantasy anymore. Um, it's already legally sold in one country and counting, uh, okay. Singapore. It launched uh, about two years ago almost. So there's going to be a ton of new products coming out. So for business opportunities, I mean, that entire industry is, it's like baby steps. It's like the internet in like the early nineties. Like there, we have so, so much opportunity there. Um, I also think that we're starting to spin off new industries to support the, you know, initial first kind of five or six years ago funded companies. So um, things like, for instance, the 40% of, of pea protein that we lost last year, right? Canada lost 40% of the pea protein crop and it caused so many supply chain shortages for folks like Beyond Meat that use pea protein. Right. That's an entire industry in itself, like creating more crop resistant, um, you know, seeds, creating technology to grow um, the plant proteins to support your beyonds and your impossibles and your just eggs right. kind of thing. Um, so what really kind of excites me, I guess, right now is that the industries that we've created are spinning off their own industries underneath them. And that's where a lot of the white space is. And that's where you can really make a difference as an entrepreneur, where you can build something big. And Canada is actually leading um, in a lot of these things. I, I actually talked to a lot of Canadian founders, specifically in the prairies that are working on really cool technologies that will take those plant-based products you see at the store and get them cheaper, get them scaled, get them better tasting. Right. That's amazing. So where would somebody start if they were, if you were going to advise somebody and they were looking for some opportunity and, you know, kind of what you just said, where would they start to look and, and, uh, and research a little bit, do you think? Well, shamelessly, I will plug The Future of Food is Female. It's a great book for folks that are not too familiar with the space. So we cover all these different technologies and innovations through the stories of their founders. Okay. Um, every chapter in the book is about a different woman and the impact they're making around the world with the companies they're building. So it's a really good introduction to this industry to understand where the technology's at. Sure. Uh, in addition to that, we I would say, you know, the Good Food Institute, they're a big nonprofit that does advocacy in this space. They're a great resource as well. Um, just honestly, 
starting to get in the know about, you know, what is, what's going on right now in the space, like learn a bit through some of the podcasts that are out there, read some of the articles that are out there about, you know, who's getting investments, what they're building. Uh, There's a lot of technology that's changed substantially in the last two or three years that before the pandemic weren't even really an industry and now they're exploding into industries. Right. Well, that's amazing. That's great advice for a lot of people, you know, searching around and and looking for opportunity in the, in the space. And I think we know why I brought this up with you. And I think it's important because I think we need more people looking for opportunity in the space to create more innovation, because like you said, it's, there's so many places to go in the space right now. Oh, it's absolutely huge. And, you know, I, I recommend that folks, you know, think big when you think about what do you want the future food system to look like or the future materials right or leathers you know there's there's um beauty vegan beauty is on track to outpace the growth of vegan food in the next few years at the rate that it's growing so there's there's so many ways that we use animals around us uh and as we start to shift away from using animals in one industry or for one product purpose it does have upstream and downstream effects of others right so you know one example is like dairy um you know if there's a demand for dairy drops like you know what does that mean for the beef that's also related to dairy or you know in many cases um there's also well there's actually over 200 products that come out of a cow right like everything from canadian money for instance has beef tallow in it i didn't know that yeah so you know canadian currency the new one that they came out with the very plasticky one like i think six seven years ago or so actually contains beef products so think about the ways that animals are used all around you yeah, it's that, you know, crayons as well. There are so many ways that we use animals and they're all going to require um, an innovation. Gelatin, great example. Gelatin is a byproduct of, of animal agriculture and we use it in everything. And if we're going to not farm animals anymore, who's making the gelatin now, right? right? So I've got a bunch of friends that are creating gelatin companies, collagen companies. Right, yeah. See, it's interesting how... I think a lot of people don't think like that. There's so many, like you look at that industry and you're like, wow, if it's already being served there, it could be served here, you know, to save the animals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's every single, any way that we use animals is going to inevitably be more inefficient than a technological innovation. It just will be because animals require way too much feed, way too much water. There's just the resources that are required for growing a living creature that you then have to feed and water for if it's a cow four years is always going to be more inefficient than something you can come up with you know through innovating for a 2022 lens so even if right now people say um this is the way that we've always done it it does not mean that we can't get better and sometimes very quickly very very quickly yeah you know i because I, I look back and the hardest one for me was trying to move into more of the, the clothing and stuff, because mm-hmm. you, you look at 20 years ago, I mean, you couldn't even get food, let alone something that was clothing, you know, that was not made out of animal, right? I mean, you could find here, there, but then anything that like looked good, you know what I mean? They're just, yeah. it just wasn't there. Yeah, right? it was like, clutter. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So that, I, I see that's coming along, uh, that, you know, that fashion industry is slowly starting to seem to be getting there. Do you agree with that, that it's changing slowly there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So fashion and so it's, it's both fashion as well as materials and textiles too, okay. because you have yeah. to remember that, you know, 
there's what we wear, you know, what we're wearing right now, but there's also, you know, right now I'm looking at a new home furnishing catalog. Like what is, what are your home furnishings made of? What is your car made of, right? right. Materials and textiles are used in a wide variety of applications far beyond just your clothing. Uh, and I've, you know, I'm excited. I just ordered my, my new car that's fully vegan leather and, you know, switching out of my old car now and I can finally get a vegan leather car because so many cars are now going default um, synthetic leather, which is very exciting. Tesla's now are um, a number of other ones that I just got the, the electric Mustang that I just ordered is completely vegan as well. Um, a lot of BMW, I think is veganized. Jags are now vegan as well. Um, a lot of cars companies have been the first to go and use those synthetic um, leathers and then also planes that's going to be a next one because we use leather on planes and I've there's a couple jet companies that are starting to go fully vegan as well um, and then your shoes your bags your apparel um, your yeah. couches how often do you see a vegan leather couch like a good durable one not really you oh, don't really see them ever. You probably haven't seen one before. No, so right. what are we doing about that, right? You know, walk around and look at everywhere where we use leather. It's incredible how much. Um, no. You know, I think about gloves um, or just even like your your belt, like on the back of, or your your jeans, on the back of your jeans, it's like a leather patch a lot of the time. Right, yeah. There's, there's so many things, yeah. Do, and do think, So do you think that, this is a great conversation, by the way, do you think that, there is enough market. Do you know? So, so do you think the market is ready? So somebody starts, you know, a furniture type store and it's all vegan. Some girl says, I'm going to do a, a beauty. Cause a girl came to me and said, do you think I should do a beauty salon chain? That's all vegan. Everything yeah. vegan in it. Do you think it would succeed? I, so the I, question I, is, do you think there's a market? Let's use those two examples. Beauty. Okay. Let's say somebody starts a salon, micro, somebody starts a furniture store. That's all vegan. So let's go with the beauty one first. Okay. The numbers on vegan and clean beauty are astronomical. Nobody talks about vegan beauty, but I, you know, I, I challenge everybody that's listening today, um, go into, if you're up in Canada, go into shoppers or, you know, if you're down here in the US, go into CVS um, sometime this week and go walk around the beauty aisle. CoverGirl's gone, gone fully vegan, right? Uh, Smashbox is vegan. Um, Elf Cosmetics, one of the biggest publicly traded uh, beauty companies on the on the exchange right now is fully vegan. There are countless brands that have already made the shift and they proudly display it as a new differentiator for their brand because the demand for clean beauty is through the roof. And clean beauty essentially has to mean vegan beauty, right? right. Um, and a big reason for that, there's a few. One is that millennials and Gen Z consumers have a much higher standard for what they want to put on their body. Okay. because they're much more uh, just aware and, and conscious of that. Another one that might surprise some folks is that legislation has prompted a lot of changes in California, for instance, more than like 30 different harsh chemicals have been banned from being used in personal care products. And so there's actually uh, in the EU as well, a ton of different um, pieces of, of legislation that have prompted brands to just like let's just cut all the, the chemicals out and just you know become a clean vegan beauty brand anyway, including mainstream ones like CoverGirl. So right. I would say the market is definitely hot for clean and vegan beauty. And you can look up some of the stats on it and look at some of the market forecasting and you'll see it's going nowhere but up. Nobody's gonna suddenly go back to products that use animals, like not for, not yeah. for beauty. It doesn't make any sense, right? For, because uh, it performs the same, you know, for food, 
people might say, this plant-based one's pretty good, but I like the taste of meat better. I'm going back to meat. Nobody's ever put a lipstick on and said, oh, I this lipstick sucks because <laughs> yeah. it's vegan, right? That's They don't make that, that connection. Yeah. So the yeah. consumer yeah. acceptance for what you put on your body, so much easier. Same thing for, for fashion. Uh, folks, folks being able to accept uh, fashion items that are made without animals is going to be a much lower barrier than folks accepting something to go into their body that they consume, right? Right. Uh, and then for fashion or for furniture, I've got a couple friends that have, you know, specialized in doing, you know, vegan furniture. I think that one's a little early, right. but uh, sustainable materials are starting to, you know, greenwashing, all of that is starting to really catch on. A lot of people are looking at, you know, where, where their products come from. They're looking at what kind of chemicals have been used on them. Oftentimes, like if you're getting something that's leather or an animal product, it's often comes with like a huge environmental footprint. Um, you know, leather tanneries, um, for folks that aren't really familiar, use such horrible toxic chemicals. They're like ruining the environment. Um, these are done over in India, South America, places like that. Um, so if you're climate conscious, you might default be interested in more sustainable, um, cleaner products to begin with, um, whether it's like beauty or materials and fashion. Right. But I would say actually branding something as, as vegan for furniture, I haven't really seen. I've seen it sustainable, climate conscious, but I haven't seen the V word yet on it. Right. Um, so it, that, that one could be a very early adopter piece, but not necessarily going to, not necessarily going to be too early because once everybody realizes their Tesla, you know, upholstery is, is doing well for them, they might think like, oh, this can be my couch too, right? Right, yeah. Man, that, that totally, makes, totally makes sense. I love the way you put the beauty and the food together. Because you just, it's true. You don't think of that. You're not going to be like, you know, oh, my lipstick, you know, it, it doesn't taste good. Yeah. You know, it's just not going to happen, right? Yeah. So, you're like, oh, yeah. it's, oh, the red is, I don't like this shade of red because it was, it, it didn't have a ground up beetle in it. I'm going back yeah. to the beetles. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's, yeah. nobody's totally. going to think that way. I think the, the, you have to think about like when you, when you think about the adoption of these new novel products for people think about how invasive it is, right? So something that you sit on or put onto your body, like fashion or, or upholstery, is going to have the lowest barrier. Then the next barrier will be something that is on your skin, like something topical, something you wear, a little bit higher barrier because it's closer to you. It's more personal. And then the most personal one of all is what you put into your body. And that's right. the food, right? So we've actually been thinking about this, in my opinion, a little bit backwards. We thought of food first, then the others um, after. True. But we can actually work inwards potentially as well. Yeah, that, may, that makes sense. Because, you know, if you really look in your cabinets and you really study what's on some of the stuff, if you don't have all vegan, you know, the deodorant that I looked at that I was putting on that wasn't vegan, I'm like, holy, this is not good for me. It's going into my skin. Like this, this like eventually could kill me. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I didn't say any brand name, so I can't get sued on that one, right? But yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, we just don't look at it and think it goes into our pores, certain things. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, the the connection that it had to you was much more than, like, a, a jacket you threw on, right? The jacket, you throw it on, you yeah. throw it off, you try someone else's on, not a big deal. But when it starts to go into your body, yeah, I see. it starts to actually be on you, like, in you, like, it's right. it's different. It's very, very different. And 
uh, I think like just understanding that psychological piece is really important. And that's why some of the folks that I'm, I'm working with in um, animal free fashion are like, we think we can get adoption much faster. And we might actually leapfrog past the guys that are working on the lab grown meats, you know, because there's lab grown leathers, everything, you know, oftentimes if it, if it applies to the technology of meat growing, it could apply to leather too. And they're like, we'll get lab grown leather on people's, you know, bodies and much, much quicker than it, it'll go into people's bellies. You know, I still haven't, you know, there was a girl we interviewed that has a line of shoes out of New York and stuff. And I'm a shoe guy and I still haven't found like super cool guys shoes that are yeah. vegan yet like super cool you know what i mean like where you know you're gonna you know what i mean like a higher level of Stand out. where it's yeah. cool right where you're like this is cool you know yeah so yeah maybe i'll do that there's some <laughs> there's some in europe yeah that i've seen yeah i think it's like good guys don't wear leather they've got a whole i think that's the name of the brand yeah, like france yeah. or italy or something like that They've got, and maybe it's the UK, uh, they've got a, like a higher end men's focused line uh, that I believe has shoes in it. Cool, I'll go research them, take a look at them, cool. So, I mean, this is, this is great. Uh, so, you know, with the whole like, the whole industry of like, um, you know, you said like growing your, your meat, like growing meats and stuff like that. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on that so if people don't understand it? Because I know there's a lot of people that don't really understand that right now, even in the vegan community, oh, some don't sure. understand that at all right now. Yeah, absolutely. So there is probably, there's two different technologies that I'll tell you about. So the first one is cultivated meat technology or cultivated protein, because you can actually use this technology for, you know, dairy or eggs or something as well, potentially. So that is lab grown meat. <laughs> so if everybody remembers, it was a decade ago, the $250,000 famous hamburger that Sergey Brin, the founder of Google commission, that was that big splashy moment uh, that was created by, you know, Dr. Mark Post, who was a cardiologist uh, and essentially you know, taking a lot of what we do in a hospital to grow an organ and reapplying that technology to grow a piece of meat, right? Theoretically, it's the same thing. So that's essentially what cultivated meat technology is. Um, and so uh, it does require the initial DNA of an animal. Uh, it can be it can be sourced without any sort of harm to the animal whatsoever. You can literally pluck a feather from a chicken and do it. Uh, but there is a, an original uh, DNA source that they, that they do use. And then uh, they basically are able to cultivate and grow in a lab what would otherwise be grown through a biological creature. They originally used something called fetal bovine serum. So it's called FBS. This is something that folks that have done some research on might've heard about. This is the number one reason why vegans don't support um, cultivated meat. You know, some of them do and some of them don't because of this reason. Originally, the technology required something um, that was essentially sourced from a fetal cow. Um, so you'd, it was, you know, you'd have to get this um, special growth medium that was sourced through essentially the killing of a baby cow. Right. And that was the, the technology five years ago. That was the only way to do it. And that was the growth medium they were using. Almost every single company, mainstream company in the space has now eradicated the use of that. And they use animal free growth mediums, which has now made the majority of cultivated meat companies 
truly vegan, in my opinion, because they no longer use or exploit an animal whatsoever. So there is not any animal that died in the process. There is not any animal that is exploited in the process. This is meat that is truly done slaughter free. So I believe that from a philosophical perspective that this is a vegan product. Right. So yeah. okay. that is lab grown meat, quote unquote, right. or cultivated okay. or cell based. And then the other technology is precision fermentation. Uh, precision fermentation is similar to traditional fermentation for kombucha or beer or wine. And instead of uh, the yeast turning into, you know, what would then become a drink that you would have had, it can turn into um, through microbial uh, precision fermentation, an animal protein. So we can take, you know, things like algae and bacteria and in a lab, make them turn themselves into an animal protein such as whey or casein. So whey protein is, you know, that's the main protein everybody drinks in their milk and their ice cream and things like that. Yeah. Uh, we have now invented the technology and this goes back, you know, probably eight years or so they started working on this. We have invented the technology that can recreate that exact same animal protein through a non-animal source. Got it. This technology is very interesting because it's already for sale in the United States and it has already been approved for uh, human consumption. It is the exact same as an animal protein uh, in every single way, except for it never came from an animal. So we have ice cream called Brave Robot that's for sale using this technology. Uh, we just uh, had some protein powders that have come out using it. There's a new milk chocolate bar that just launched a few months ago in the United States um, that uses real milk chocolate with whey protein, except for the whey protein never came from an animal. Uh, so that's another technology that is removing animals from the food system and essentially leapfrogging us forward so that people that want to continue eating their animal proteins can. Um, they now have non-animal source whey protein, like for bodybuilders. That just came out as well um, a few months ago too. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. It's, so this is such it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, so huge, right? Because that was always my problem, too, because I work out lots. And back, you know, before you couldn't find any protein and, and I weigh just in general, if you look at the ingredients on it, oh. it's not healthy for you. Like in general, it's rubbish. Health. Yeah, oh, like yeah. It's, it's, it's like, and you get whey blow, you get that, like, yeah, it makes it, you like really gassy, like whey, yeah. is, whey tastes delicious. Everybody agrees. It tastes delicious. It blends well, but the way like belly rot after is not great. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So awesome. So I got one last question. This is kind of a personal question, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to use this one for myself because you're such a wealth of information. So, you know, I'm, I'm talking a lot more now in the vegan space and stuff like that. You know, I've been around it for so long and stuff. And we're doing a lot more with inside these spaces now. Um, and so I want to start keep talking more. I'm going to do a show where actually this is kind of a fun thing. I just we want to do. I'm going to go test taste people's burgers and then start rating them on the vegan community. Right. And that's just a fun thing. But where do you think, where do you think I should be talking the most? I, you know, I want to get the word out more and stuff like that. What do you think of more of like a media standpoint? Where do you think you would go if you or me and start talking more in the space? There might be a little more white space. It's not, not nobody's doing a little better. Where, where do you think I'm making you think now, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You know, so a few things. I think okay. that universities are always a good spot. And, you know, students are always a great test market and they're a great audience to bring together. 
Right. Uh, we have, you know, I spent a lot of time with universities. I've spoken at everywhere from Harvard to Duke to Cambridge this year alone. Um, right. I, I think that that's a huge piece of it because these are the people that are going to not only inherit the planet, so they're, you know, they're going to already be predisposed to be interested in veganism, um, but they also are going to be the future builders of the companies that need to create these products too. So I think universities are huge. Uh, I think that, you know, there's still a lot of room in the the vegan fitness space. The game changers, those are, you know, those folks, Louie and all of them are good friends of mine. Um, they they launched a really important conversation, but we still need a lot more athletes and, and professional sports uh, associations to be talking about it. Right. Uh, I think that, you know, I, anywhere where there is an industry that currently is using animal products, there's a way okay. to have this conversation. Absolutely. Okay. And depending on, I mean, we've done, we did like KCLA, local news. I just did PBS last week. Uh, we, we do a lot of mainstream outlets. I write for Rolling Stone. I'm the future of food writer as well. Right. Okay. That's cool. People are interested. Yeah. Most most media outlets are very interested in this space because they see it as the future. It's not fringe anymore. Yeah, I, I agree too. And that's, you know, for me, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I kind of changed, well, I didn't change our whole brand, but Actions of Compassion used to be a movement when we were going out and blogging and doing compassionate acts all over North America and it grew quite extensively. But, you know, I, for, for I, number one, I build people before profit business models in the, in the whole things we do. And so actions of compassion i said let's just turn this into an entire brand because i mean that's all what i want to do in the world is have compassion for people for animals for the planet so i'm just like it's just no brainer turn turn the whole thing into a brand now from top to bottom of everything we do uh so we're, so awesome so i uh, thank you for that advice by the way i mean you're this has been a good interview because it's taken a such a different turn and you're such a wealth of information on forward thinking and stuff like that. And, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. So where can they all find you at? You're, definitely, I'm going to get your book and I'll spread the word on that book because I think it's a need to be uh, a, a book that needs to be read, I think, by everybody outside vegan and in vegan. Uh, yep. And so where can they find everything about you? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to pick up a copy of the book, we are available worldwide. The best place to get us is on Amazon. You can Amazon Prime it if you're in Canada or the US in particular. Uh, it's called The Future of Food is Female. We debuted as a number one new release in six categories, everything from environmental science to animal rights. So it is designed to be a read that is both informative um, as well as just very inspirational for anyone, whether you're vegan or not. And in addition to that, you can find me. Uh, so I am at Jenny Stojkovic on Twitter and on Instagram. I also have the Future of Food, uh, basically LinkedIn page as well. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me at Jennifer Stojkovic. To follow what we're doing with DWS, we're active on literally every platform you can imagine. So you can look at veganwomensummit.com. So that's women with an E, not an A. Um, womensummit.com slash newsletter. And that's how you can get on our weekly newsletter that goes to over 10,000 people around the world, all about women founder news in animal free innovation. Uh, we are on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. I think I named all of them. You right. can find us vegan women summit. And remember everybody, the, the vegan women summit, if you're a guy, you can go in and join as well too. And if you're not vegan, you can join as well too. Yeah, 
Absolutely. We believe that we need everybody on board to make the changes uh, needed to both save the planet and all that live on it. Uh, so if you are interested in the mission, if you're interested in the vision, come follow us. Uh, we will be bringing our huge flagship summit back next year. We just did it last month in LA, sold out over 800 people from all around the world, flew in, celebrities, CEOs, investors, you name it. It's the who's who of the space. Uh, we will be announcing pretty soon our 2023 date and location. Awesome. Stay tuned. Cool. Well, make sure everybody you check that out and go to it. Uh, I, I highly encourage it. Thank you so much for your wealth of information, by the way. Yeah, I'm, that is what I am here for. This is my life's work. I believe that we need more talented, more engaged, more inspirational, more people from all backgrounds together, like yourself, like what I'm doing. If we can all come together, I think we can turn this thing around. Yeah, I'm with you too. And I, I love how you left that of all coming together because that is the most important thing of, of making a difference and leaving this for the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. We need to give them something that we should be proud of what we leave behind. We shouldn't be ashamed, right? If you feel ashamed at, at the direction that the world's going, be a part of the other side. There's lots of us and there's more of us every single day that are fighting to make a better planet. That's right. Amen. Awesome. Thanks everybody. Talk soon. Thanks.